Man, speaking of somebody with superpower, the one and only Brian Bogert's joining me on the show today. Brian, man, I'm so happy to have you here with me, with my listeners, with my watchers. Thank you for being on the show today. Appreciate you. I'm excited to be here, Jeff, man. Every single time you and I have connected, you just, uh, you embody everything you teach, right? And it's uh, it's so evident. Your heart is so palpable and so felt. And I've just really enjoyed the depth of our dialogue already. So I'm happy to be here, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too, man. Appreciate those kind words. And you know, I was going to start out, I think I said, maybe I didn't. I'm going to say the one and only is something I'm on uh, sharing with people lately like the one and only Brian Bogart, the one and only Jeff Janakova. I mean, that's a real true statement, right? We are one in 8 billion people. There's, Bingo. you know, like our society values the the one in 250 exotic sport car, right? It values the Tiffany Diamond, the, the, the special Rolex watch. But there's like 20 of those watches, right? There's a hundred of those Tiffany Diamond, yeah. you know, special setting things. But man, there's one of each of us. How do you help people really uncover that? I mean, you do a lot of things to help people, but yeah, I thought yeah. that'd be a good way to kick off our time is is that recognition. We yeah. each have that superpower. We we do we do, and you know it, it aligns very closely with uh, something that I've been saying recently, which again applies to me, but it also applies to every single other person, right? Um, my presence is the gift. I am the gift just like each and every one of you, right? And so at the end of the day, we'll get into elements of my story and components, but how do we help people live into their power and potential? It starts with really understanding the things that stopped it in the first place, stopped the growth and development of who someone is authentically. And if we realize that our kids are the brightest, most authentic burning light that there will ever be, right? Anyone who has kids knows this. When they're two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? They're filled with curiosity. They're filled with wonder. They're filled with fire, Right. And you can feel their authentic selves. But then what happens? Most parents, teachers, coaches, and employers start saying, You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You should be that. You should want this. You shouldn't want that. You should live in this neighborhood. You should have this kind of car. You should have this kind of spouse. And the list goes on. Should's a shame based word. It implies that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, it's not good enough. And so what happens is most people start funneling themselves down until they fit inside this bucket based on who the world has told them who to be rather than who they really are. So oftentimes, yeah. one of the things that I see and can help with is that I recognize and can feel often where people's pain sits and lies within them. Mm-hmm. I can recognize where and how they have layers of protection. And I also see their power and potential through all of that. And so as a result of it, there's a systematic process of healing the pain, right? Shedding the layers of armor to allow people to actually transport into their power and potential, seemingly sometimes in minutes and moments. And yes, there's processes that kind of go into this. There's deeper philosophies that we'll talk throughout the rest of the day. But in the most simplistic answer, it's helping people to stop protect themselves, to realize that they can view themselves objectively and non-judgmentally. And ultimately, they can live their life based on their terms and measure themselves against their standards and expectations, not the external ones that were defined by their parents, coaches, teachers, employers, or society. Right? I work with people. I've got a client right now, 50 years old, for the very first time in her life. She's living her life on her terms. 50 years it took her to get there, right? And that's not an uncommon story. Me too. Me too. Yeah. 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 It's a a shame that, you know, we we can, as people, we'll get behind like that movie Limitless, I think was the movie where Mm -hmm. it was like this magic, 
pill that big pharma made and like this person became limitless and man if you can just shed all of those parameters of society of what you're taught in education what you're taught from your peers even your parents sometimes uh if you can just shed all that that limitless opportunity does really exist for each of us I believe so. I mean, I genuinely do. I've lived it myself. I've seen it and witnessed it within so many of the people that we work with. You know, and I, again, I'm not going to go deep into this element of the story right now, but we'll get there. But case in point, I live and exist in this as a reality, right? I lived with daily physical pain to the point that it was debilitating to my quality of life in many, many, many moments for nearly 31 years. And mm. I'm now sitting here almost 12 months with zero physical pain. Now, what's really funny is, is that I believed that I'd healed physically years ago, but it was really the manifestation of both the intellectual and emotional pain that was still sitting within that was actually causing a manifestation of physical pain. And so the reality of it is, is when you realize even just pain is a singular measurement point, but physical pain being one that we can all relate to, it zaps our capacity, right? It is literally like a sh- uh, this layer of protection that's on us that is weight. It's heavy and it zaps our capacity. And so when we can start to heal the pain and shed the layers of armor that are protecting elements within us, that is true. We can live with limitless potential and we can truly have it all. It's not necessarily easy to get there, but it's a journey worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get down on the uh, the manifestation of pain. You know, I'm I've been since the new year uh, walking around with like pulse oxygen of 88, 89, 90, 91, which isn't healthy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you could exist. My father, it's it's so ironic because my father is dealing with uh, multiple decades of being a smoker, and he's on oxygen in retirement. I was just in Guatemala with him to check in on him and see how he's doing. Bring him a portable machine and. You know, I think I think he's got a plan to enjoy life as best he can. Um, so I, I kind of felt it ironic, like maybe this has been given to me to like relate to my father because it wears you out. And uh, it does. you know, I I've shared on my show, you know, my past abuse of, of childhood sexual abuse, and what I really want right now, what I'm helping others to do for myself and them is heal this wound in your chest, right? This gaping hole. I've described mm-hmm. it that way. And as I'm going through all this, you know, I had an echocardiogram, took forever to get the results. Results came in while I was away. And I'm I'm prepared mentally to get some bad news because I'm like, well, it, this would be the journey. I say I want this hole in my chest repaired. Well, this weight of everything for mm-hmm. 35 plus years, 30 years, that would make sense to me. Some might not get that, but to me, it would make sense. So this journey to repair that hole in my chest. Well, maybe I got to deal with some of the actual physical manifestation of it all. Thank God. Heart's good. Lungs are good. So now we move on to other issues because it's still there, but I get that manifestation. Yeah. So what, what, what happened 12 months ago for you? Yeah. Um, I would tell you that I got into the deepest level of healing and the deepest level of alignment and congruence in my entire life. And it, I mean, I can give you the very specifics because the day is one that I will always remember. It was the first time that my kids were in a room with me while I was doing hot seat coaching. 
So I was actually at a buddy's mastermind retreat. I'd spoken the day before and he asked me to do some hot seat coaching because I often have an ability to compress time and really, you know, compress decades sometimes into minutes and moments. Um, we say days as it relates to some of our, our retreats, but, but in these moments, we can take someone literally in a 20 minute hot seat and we can really make some major, major movement within. Now, there was two people that were in the seats that day. The first was a younger woman in her early 20s who was in the place of nearly committing suicide two months prior. And we delved deep into her story, helped her understand the block, where it was coming from, what that hole in her chest was from her childhood that actually created the, the void for her. And what was beautiful is my kids were in the back of the room making comments and facilitating. Now, the second one, and I'll, I'll come full circle on this, but the second one was an individual that he actually had his armor up so thick. It was like Fort Knox. 10 minutes in, I'm asking all these questions. I'm seeing and feeling where it's sitting within him, but he is just not wanting to discuss it. And I was about ready to kick him out of the hot seat. And, and not from a mean way, but it's just like, hey, if you're not ready to go here, get, let someone else benefit from this. So the whole room can benefit. And he, I see this welling up in his chest and I make this one comment and my daughter says, she screams from the back of the room. She goes, just say it. You'll feel better. And I saw him melt for just a second, right? And I knew that he had daughters. And so I said, Hey, is it okay if my kids come up here and stand next to you? Both kids got up. They will sit up in the next, in the front of the room. And again, I'm asking some more questions. I'm getting him really close and you can just see it welling up in his throat. Like he wants to release it. My daughter, again, like five minutes later, leans over and she taps him. And she goes, I promise it's going to be okay, but it'll be better if you just say it. And he said it right then. And so to witness my kids being a part of facilitating this impact in the room, you know, my daughter went up to the girl afterwards and said, Hey, thank you so much for your strength. I know that that could have been a really scary time for you, but you just helped everyone in the room grow because you were willing to talk about it. My daughter's eight. My daughter's eight. She was seven at the time, right? And, and I'm witnessing the empathy and compassion and all of these advocacy moments for themselves and for others taking place. And I'd done a lot of my own healing to get me to that place. And so was I expecting myself to wake up the following day with zero pain? No, but it's not come back. And so when everybody says, well, what'd you do? Man, for 25 years, 30 years, I was doing contrast therapy and stretching and physical therapy and like you name it, Reiki energy healing, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic, like things to literally mitigate and reduce the pain. 30 years I've been doing this. And I wake up one day after the deepest level of connection, congruence, and healing in my entire life with zero pain. That's not a coincidence, brother. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, so that people is. think it sounds crazy, Ow. but, but it, it really was like when I saw the next generation doing what they did, um, so instinctually, right? Like I was like, okay, we're onto something. You know, this is something that's really, really powerful. And, and again, it translated to zero pain for me. So beautiful. Yeah, it really is, man. That's, I mean, I got goosebumps when you share the story of your daughter saying, just say it, it'll be okay. That's, that's just incredible. So, you know, a lot of folks, society, put it in quotes, right? I have a saying, loudest voices come from the cheapest seats. That's often society at large. You know, they would say, how dare you? put your children in a room with somebody talking about suicide. You know, obviously your choice, your children, obviously you are living 
a limitless life with them, which is so cool to see you bring them at that young age. They are learning exponentially more in those environments than they can in the classroom, which really, you know, classrooms, some today are just an extension of more screen time. Um, not all, some, you know, I hope people listening and watching, I've got some people in my periphery that watch me closely, right? And they think I'm very anti-teacher and education. And so I hope that they can pick up that I just said some, not all, some. But you're giving your children such an incredible, connective, human and learning experience. What What is it about that for you that, uh, why are you doing it that way? It's life, brother. Right? Like, I, I'm, I'm not one of those that believes that kids need to sit down and shut up. Right. I'm not one of those that says I want to shelter my children from all of the parts of life that might harm them. I want to educate and empower them to understand it and to see it and to recognize the level of empathy and compassion that's possible even through that. Right. I, we've just always been very, very transparent and open with our kids. I mean, not, not, not only externally, but within our own world. I mean, you know, we talk about the stuff that's affected us. We talk about, you know, when we screw up in the house, we take ownership for it. We apply a lot of the things that took place, but you know, we talk to our kids about war. We talk to our kids about hate and things that people do to hurt other people. We talk to them openly about these things so that they can be aware of it. Right. Here's the reality. They largely can live and exist inside a bubble if we let them, but that bubble isn't going to protect them. And what I know is that if they're in the room with me, there's not a chance that they won't be safe and protected. And my wife is in there with me often when that happens. Because if I'm in the moment and I'm so present with whoever I'm coaching, though I can feel and sense the whole room, I'm not there as my role to protect my kids, even though that's still my number one role in this world. And so my wife being present there, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that if there was something that was going to cause an issue, she'd take them out of the room. But our kids have shown capacity far beyond their ages because... We've never limited what they can be exposed to. Now, I say this with a big giant caveat. 99% of the time, whenever we're communicating with them, it's through the lens of what we believe to be age appropriate. And when I say age appropriate, that's really what their own maturity is going to allow them to handle. Right. And I mean that both with age, intellect, and emotion. And so because we've set such a solid foundation, again, I mean, my kids walked into the room, they weren't even there the day before, and they were participating when they were handing the mic around saying, what were some key takeaways from yesterday? They knew I spoke. They, they, I wasn't in the room. And both kids were like, you guys probably talked a lot about trash yesterday and what the trash from your past can do to impact you. <laughs> like they know that what I do is here to help people. Yeah. They're and ambassadors so, of healing. And for that's right. And so for them to be able to see their dad in motion, to witness the things that we teach are so congruent in the way that we live, right? Yeah. That's just that's just how we are. And so I will 10 out of 10 times put my kids in rooms for those types of things. And as they're now getting older, my son turned 10 yesterday, right? They're going to start coming to more and more stuff with me because to your point, that's where they learn the lessons from life. That's where they learn about human connection. That's where they learn that they've got permission to do all of the things that they can and want to do in this world. Um, true strength hides behind vulnerability, right? So me hiding and protecting them behind armor that limits them and protects them beyond what I th they're really capable of, that's doing them a disservice, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love, love your style. Love how you're bringing them in. I mean, it's really, 
you know, what you're doing is creating an exponential effect for your impact in this world. You know, those what kids I'm are watching. Do. Yeah, they're watching. Like, the, the, it's a cliched statement, right? Our kids watch us. It's, you know, folks like what us in our circles, we hear that. They're always watching. And and that's true if you're not in our, in our kinds of circles. They are watching you. Kids are a product of their environment. And man, Fact. that environment you're cooking up is pretty great. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, really cool to you know, see. You've that. heard me say before, man, we're on a path to impact over a billion lives as quickly as we can by reducing the level yeah. of suffering that exists on this planet, largely of which I believe is internal. And, you know, what I'm very, very clear on, what I'm very, very okay with, my name is not going to be behind those billion lives. It's not about Brian Bogart, right? Is it right. about me? Yes, it is about me, but it's bigger than me, right? And so the reality of it is, is that it's going to be collective impact that happens with people like you, that happens in this next generation when my kids step into what they call the family business already, right? Like both of them have been like, yeah, I want to work in the family business. I want to help people the way that you do, dad, right? And I've every single time said, you know what? If that's what you decide by the time you get there, you always have a place and you'll always be welcome. But know that I want you to follow whatever's going to make your heart happy, right? And know that no matter what, you've got my support in doing so. But here's the reality. Even if they're not in our business, they're going to go move people by the way they move through the world, right? Yeah. They're a part of the ripple effect of impact. And that's what I care most about. Move people, move people. I'm just trying to move as many as I can. And the two I can impact the most are the ones that are in my house, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's very interesting point. And, and we can, uh, we can shift gears, but I want to wrap up on this, you know, move people, move people. And so often I think business types, leader types look to spread that impact and work the hardest outside their own four walls. When the people nearest to them, they have the most opportunity to create that impact. So your daughter's eight and your son's how old? He just turned 10 yesterday. Yep. 10. So here you are doing that, living it with an eight and a 10 year old. And, uh, you know, let's not miss that folks. Like, yeah, it's great to want impact. That's great to, you know, as Brian's mission is to help a billion people heal. Um, that's all cool, but he's also living it right in his own four walls. And I think people need to really remember that it's a, it's a theme that I talk about. It's that space for leadership, like all these different spaces we have the opportunity to occupy. We need to do it in a way that is, is like to the max in each way and not miss those opportunities. You shared a cool space in our pre-show. Uh, and I'm so glad you did because I, as I thought about our time together, I really wanted to, uh, get into these areas. So you were just, you, you recently spoke, I think you said a $500 million company mm -hmm. about everything we've been jamming on so far and more. And it was asphalt contractors. Yep. Yep. It was a $500 yeah. million dollar asphalt contractor. That. Yeah. It was, you know, really interesting. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that obviously I, I'm not going to say specific to the company, but what I would say yeah. is, is that they're not different than uh, many contractors, right? It's a historical blue collar, like, largely male dominated environment. You know, this particular organization has uh, got acquired with by basically private equity in, infusion about two and a half years ago, doubled in size overnight. And they've been on a pretty rapid acquisition path. Well, as you would expect with any organization, you're always going to have the legacy folks and you're going to have the new folks, right? So the biggest thing they're trying to facilitate is how do we get everybody to connect at the deepest level internally so that we can actually forge a path forward together? Right. And right. so we went through all of our waste to wealth methodology and we framed some things that were really specific to there. But the overarching message, and this is the case for many contractors, safety 
is typically at the top of the list of their focus. Safety typically in the physical realm, right? Keeping their workers safe on the work environment, in their environments, so they can go home safe, right? Safety has always been the topic of discussion, but it's always focused on just physical safety. And so ultimately, the takeaway of this message was, is if you really want to be the leader in the construction space, you need to evolve safety beyond the physical, which means we've got to also evolve it to emotional and mental safety. Now, we gave a lot of examples as to why that was important. But one of the ways I speak is to get people to think and feel maybe in ways they haven't ever or haven't in a long time. And so my whole goal in any keynote that I give is to actually create transformation, not just infuse energy and motivation. And so what was really, really beautiful about what happened in this particular example, there were three executives that they'd had troubles with for the last six years. There was a conflict between these three individuals. They brought in change management. Their private equity tried to facilitate it. Their HR tried to facilitate it. Their CEO tried to facilitate it. All these people did. I found this out later. But as soon as I finished my keynote, they wrapped for the day. And these three individuals went outside and said, we've got some trash to take out. Hmm. 45 minutes, they laid all their shit on the table. 45 minutes. And they resolved it. So all of a sudden, HR and the COO and their chief, uh, their, their head of safety start texting the CEO saying, you will not even believe what just happened. Here's the reality. When we create the spaces for people to have permission to feel and to recognize, again, when people aren't being understood, often it's because there's a misalignment between intent and actions that are demonstrating that intent. And how do we bring people closer to see what's really happening? Right? When... When they've spent six years trying to resolve this conflict and a 90-minute talk facilitated yeah. the space for them to go repair, it's proof in the pudding around how powerful this can be and how important it is to have these be parts of discussions in every part of an organization. Because it's this kind of stuff that will derail an organization, right? Misalignment with leadership, conflict internally. 90% of the time, that has nothing to do with the individuals involved. It has everything to do with the trash from their past and how their dads looked at them when they loaded their dishwasher incorrectly when they were 10. Right? It's these yep. deep embedded emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning that we call trash from your past. And here's the really cool thing. Everyone who's listening to this, I've yet to meet a human being who does not have trash from their past. But here's what you all need to hear. The trash from your past is not your fault. It just becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in yours. Why do I say that? Because 90% of the time, it's generationally inherited. It's patterned down, right? And Mm -hmm. most of these things are unconscious in the way that we operate, which is also why it's so difficult to identify what are we actually reacting to. And that's a lot of what I do with people is to help them stand in their truth very, very clearly and to start to separate the reactions that are tied to our nervous system that are there designed to keep us safe and updating our operating systems to a place to realize that most of the ways that our cells are still reacting today aren't even relevant for what our world is telling us we need to protect from. And so it's really just getting people more into their bodies and understanding these patterns. Look, and I understand it from a deep level. I'll tell you about some of my story here in a minute. But yeah, $500 million contractor, right? And I'm doing additional support work with them. We're doing some coaching and we're driving this down a different path. But it's also the truth. I don't care if it's a contractor, if it's healthcare, I don't care what industry it is. People are what drive the profit. If your people are not solid, 
or your people are carrying too much trash from their past, it will create waste within your walls that will prohibit your growth and all the opportunity that they ultimately want from this transactional relationship as your employee. Yeah. I I love that you're able to make that happen for them. I mean, it's so cool, right? And, you know, just just from a pure business aside perspective, and you're certainly smart enough to have realized this and you'll, you'll, you'll craft this the way you want, but like, that's the best darn value keynote you've ever given to anybody, right? Because all that money invested on the topical, right? And this Mm -hmm. is, this is where, you know, I challenge the people I speak to and the leaders that, you know, I have influence over like, yeah, this is your space. You are responsible for leveling up the humans around you, for increasing that human capital. You shared it, people turn it into profit, right? People are the biggest mm-hmm. drivers of profit. And and I'm glad you touched on you know, the dishwasher example. Your dad looked at you crossways <laughs> about the dishwasher because look, that might have just flipped the switch in that operating system to the negative. You don't have to be somebody like Brian who had his arm removed from his body and dealt for 30 years with pain and that manifests in all different kinds of ways. You don't have to be like me with my past. We're not trying to weigh this out in a competition. It affects the way you operate. It affects the way this trash, as you like to say, manifests. So I'm glad you touched on that. I'm glad you shared it the way you did. That's awesome that they're seeing that success. I mean, they have the potential to probably double up again in revenue. Now that they are... Oh, they're they're on a path to hit a billion in the next three to five years. And and I'm... They're, they're the exact type of organization I like to work with because they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of focus. They have so much opportunity. The only thing that will prevent them from getting there is their internal shit. Right. Yeah. And so I can help yeah. them remove that to a place that they can live and do what they need to. You know, I do want to hit on what you just said though, as well, with kind of the, the look from the dishwasher, because I think this is important for some people to hear and also to hear it with context and understanding as to like parts of the reasons that I understand these dynamics. You know, again, it wasn't just getting my arm ripped off. For those that don't know my story, when I was seven, I was run over by a truck. My spleen was torn. I've got a tire tracks around my stomach and my left arm was torn from my body. You can literally see where it came off right here. Okay. Next thing my mom and brother or my mom hears is my brother's voice that says, Hey mom, Brian's arm is over there. And it was August 10th, 1992, 115 degree day. And she hears this. So she gazes up the parking lot and sees a string of my muscle cooking like hamburger on the lot. Now... Here's the truth and everything that happened. I was blessed that day. Someone came out, a nurse saved my life. I've now maintained and regained contact with her, which has been beautiful in my life. But I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. I come out of the hospital and I have a teddy bear in between my arm and my sling because my arm needs to heal at 90 degrees. And inevitably, I was cute and I was loud and I just have always kind of had this draw for people. So what would happen? I'd get asked all the time, what happened to you? They were expecting me to be like, man, I was racing my brother down our down the street on our bikes and I crashed or I flew off the jungle gym or like whatever, right? But what would I do? I'd look them deadpan in the eye and say I was run over by a truck and my left arm was torn off. Now, I got really used to seeing jaws hit the floor and then to start to pick up their jaws, but 99% of them would do two things after that. They would pause and they'd turn to look at my parents for validation, which told me what? They didn't believe me. They didn't believe my truth that I'm living and existing in right now in front Mm -hmm. of them. My arm, literally in many cases, still didn't even have skin on it up at the top. As I'm telling them this story, I'm wrapped in dressings and they don't believe it. It's too audacious. It's too crazy, right? 
So all of a sudden, I don't feel seen and understood. I didn't feel connected, right? So what did I do? I start to reserve and pull myself back because why would I keep telling my truth if no one's going to accept it and believe it? Right. But I kept trying and trying and trying and kept getting the same response. So ultimately, I was like, well, I guess the world's not going to accept me. Then these same people, the second thing they did is they would view me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation, immediately limiting me and telling me all the shit I'd never be able to do. Right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I've also not met anyone in this world who hasn't had one or both of those experiences happen within their life at some point. Had someone yeah. not believe them, not see them, not understand them, not accept their truth, even though it's evident and right in front of them, who've not been limited by someone else's inability to see their capacity, right? Because of their own impact. And so there's a whole lot to my story that ultimately put me in places that allowed me to start to understand these things. But here's the thing. Very, very, very early, I learned that I needed to protect myself. I learned I needed to operate under a mental and intellectual narrative that I believed was protecting me that I learned later bit me in the ass. What did all this do? I used to believe that my original arm and my original story was my transformation story. It's my origin story. Guess what? It's the story that created the most trash in my past that I had to start to weed through, heal, unpack, and remove so that I could live and exist based on who I am today. But here's the thing. Regardless of the extremities of your stories, I don't care if it's a big T or a little T trauma, what's important is that each and every one of you learn to pause and become aware of the lessons you can extract from your stories so you can become intentional in how you apply them moving forward. You know, You can tap into the collective wisdom of other people's stories to shorten your curve. But the most relevant lessons will always come from your own. And so what have you done to allow yourself to see yourself more clearly, to raise your level of awareness and the thoughts intellectually and emotionally that were created in these moments in your childhood as you were growing up and the moments of trauma throughout your life? How have you stepped into ownership to really be able to know like where it's coming from, the source, the narrative, the standard that you're even comparing yourself to? Right? There's a whole variety of things that are going to keep you stuck, but... I've worked with some of the world's highest performers and I will tell you almost exclusively it comes down to these things that people don't really want to talk about. Yeah, man. It's so powerful. Everything you just shared that look away with my past, you know, confiding in the adults I confided in. I I had that vision. Mm -hmm. I, I was, as you're talking, it's like each, each instance with parents, grandparents, you know, people I trusted, man, I was like, I'm sitting back at that kitchen table, the look away, sitting out the driveway in front of the garage, the look away, you know, and I can stand here today and it's like, it's like, all right, I recognize that for what it is. It's not going to derail me or nothing, but man, that was powerful. That was powerful. But it's all of that that developed shame at a deep level for me, right? And shame showed up in my business, it showed up in my relationship. It's what created this hidden and embedded level of anger that I didn't even know was there, that almost cost me my wife and my kids, which are the only thing binary in my world, right? Things that were so hidden unconscious that truly weren't in alignment with my heart, but my heart was so guarded because it wasn't, I never felt safe. I didn't have the emotional safety. And what I learned later that we won't, you know, go too deep on, but when I shut off physical pain, cause it exceeded my ability to cope, I shut off mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years. And I didn't know it. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't until 12 years ago when I really started to unpack this stuff that I started to step into and understand it's like, wow. Okay. I, uh, I, <laughs> I've really disconnected myself from who I am and what I want in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so, I mean, I'm just going to let that sit. Uh, you know, typically 
I think podcast hosts try to throw their own spin on top of everything you just said. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it sit for the people watching, the people listening, because uh, you can't say it any better than I did. You know, you, you just shared deeply a lot of things. You know, and back to the contractor example. So people hear this, people in the audience hear this, the leaders in the audience hear this. I'm going to paint the example I want to share through a story that I've shared a couple of times on the show. So that safety thing is real important, right? And you said it's always manifested in the physical safety. If we're, if we're digging a ditch, we got to have that con or the steel thing down in the ditch so the walls don't collapse. Mm-hmm. Physical safety, the yellow vest, right? The, the proper work mm-hmm. boots, the hard hat, the glasses. But the mental safety comes into play, both for the person, for the persons that are responsible on the crew. So here's the story, and I've shared this, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, the day before our break in our school, our high school, we had two kids, you know, get in a fight and a knife was brandished, you know, and, and I've shared it through this context. Like, imagine being those parents. Now they come to your place of them where they're working with you. Imagine that that dad is on this asphalt crew. And he's thinking Monday morning, he's not thinking about anything at the job. He's thinking about my son. Where did I fail my son? Mm-hmm. What's my son's life going to be like? He's now got a felony on his record or will yeah. have a felony likely. I'm going to miss all this work. And the challenge that I give to people is, so at, at eight o'clock or seven o'clock report time in the morning, what's the conversation with you as that person's leader? Bingo. Is, is it anything being said? Or is it just silence? Is it just more holding it in? Do they come to you at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day and say, hey, I need to have a conversation with you about this because that's likely going to affect my work. It's going to affect me. Are you that kind of leader? Yep. Yeah. And I I would tell you that that's even what we were trying to encourage them to do. And that's what the... I mean, we gave examples of it. Almost similar to what you just said. It's like, hey, somebody gets into an argument with their spouse or they're worried about their kid getting into trouble or any of these things, and now you're going to go put them out on a piece of heavy equipment. Right. Right. Now you're going to go put them into a place where like they could not only hurt themselves, but hurt others by potentially making a a mistake if their focus isn't hundred percent where it needs to be. Right. And, and oh, by the way, because we're humans, like, it's not like we can just shut this stuff off. Like everybody tells us to do, they say, just push through and push down, just push through and push down. Like you'll be good. Right. Like show up with a smile on, be happy. You're good. But that's like not accepting the reality of our world. And so the other thing as a leader that I think is important to understand is, again, we were talking about this and protecting kind of some broader spaces. But it's like, if we understand the human experience through, through four things, it, it really starts to root this. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel protected. And those are not the same thing, by the way. We all want to feel seen and understood. And we all want to feel connected. I would argue that we want these two the most, but they don't happen unless the first two do. So what happens yeah. when we walk into an environment like that, right? Man, I've, I've got this going on with my son. I'm really worried about what's going to happen, the potential felony charges. Does that employee feel safe? No. Do they feel protected? Probably not, right? And then they get to work and it's like, well, you have to be able to go do this. Or they try to approach their leader and say, hey, I've got some stuff going on that I think might affect my work. And they get shot down. Do you think they're going to attempt to communicate about it again? No. Yeah. So what happens the second we protect ourselves? Now, we're giving this example as an employee, but it could be you go into a networking event knowing that everybody's wants something from you and they're going to hand out business cards. It could be you preparing to go back to your family's house for the holidays and you've got 20 years of experience believing that your aunt's going to show up this way, your mom's going to show up this way, and you start proactively protecting yourself. 
It doesn't matter what causes the protection. What I want you to do for a moment is just imagine, you know those 35-gallon black trash bags for the outdoor bins? Yep. Unfold one into a square. Grab onto each corner and hold it up in front of you. Anybody who's watching this, just imagine this. Hold it up above your eye. That's your armor. Okay? Now, I want to ask you, how could you properly expect anyone in your life, especially those that you care about, to see you, understand you, know your heart, your desire, your soul, your intent, your boundaries, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, your worth, all of the above of what you can offer delivered through an opaque force field. And oh, by the way, that's assuming that they're not carrying their own layer of protection that's going to further dilute the message. And so we teach this concept of being a protector and a connector, which means when I walk into a space as a leader, whether it's in my business, in my community, or my home, I need to do a really quick pulse check and understand, am I safe? Am I protected? And if I feel myself protecting in any way, I need to identify quickly what that is so I can lower my own armor and protection. There's two ways to do this. One, we can fabricate it in a moment. And two, we can actually do the work to unpack and heal those things so that we don't even have that to be triggered by again in the future. Reality of it is, is when we can do that, we can wrap a layer of protection around the environments we're in to ensure that everyone is safe, protected, seen, understood, and connected. But what does this require? This requires you as a leader to have what I call a, so- a strong spine and a soft front. What's a strong spine? A strong spine means I've done the work. I know the things that have kept me stuck. I know where I've been triggered. I know who I am. I know what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do, my boundaries, my hopes, my hearts, my desires, all of the above, which means I can be unwavering in any environment. I no longer need to protect, which means I can effectively lower my armor. Now, I like to think of my wife and kids in this example because when they want to come to me to be consoled, do they want to lay their head down on a metal chest piece of armor? No. They want to lay their head down on my chest. By the way, it's no different for your employees. It's no different for your teammates, your associates. They don't want to communicate with you through armor and protection. They want the human heart. And this is something that is so important because when we can facilitate these spaces, again, just like we did in the keynote, we created a safe, protected space that gave them permission to go have the conversation that they'd been avoiding for six years. Right? Yeah. Love it. I love that uh, analogy of armor laying the head down on the chest. And that's, that's kind of what I was going through with my school, you know, the, the, the school example, like what kind of leader are you going to be? Exactly. Yeah. What, so, you know, you work with a lot of companies and, uh, and a lot of leaders in general. How much of a, how much of a uh, mountain do they think this is to, to arrive at like from where they are to being an embodied leader that leads with that sturdy spine and that, and no protection out front. Yep. Um, Do they feel this huge mountain? I think it depends on where they fall on the spectrum of personal and professional development today. Right. And what they've done to be able to access beyond just intellectual and mental toughness, right. The emotional and spiritual components for themselves. And so I would say that, Right. We can look at certain industries and recognize that some might be more, I don't even want to say evolved because it's not a comparison. I think generally people often have the greatest amount of intent possible, but they, there's also a lot of narratives that are in this world. Some view this as a giant hurdle. Like, oh, I can't, I can't talk to my employees about that kind of stuff. I can't go there for myself. I can't even, I can't even own the things within my own household with my family, let alone go into the workplace and do it. For some, especially men who have been told for years, right? Like, don't feel, suck it up, don't cry, don't, 
right? All well, these toxic masculinity yeah, the whole, the pieces. The whole phrase, that, fuck your feelings, right? Exactly, right? There's a book that says fuck your feelings. I'm like, what? Like, how, how are we promoting this as a message, right? The human yeah. element wouldn't exist without emotion. It just wouldn't. And so that's the part that's interesting is there are some that are very resistant to it, but there are many that are, that see the value of it and can connect with it. And I would tell you that in the way that I communicate, I try to make it as accessible for everyone as possible. You know, so what's an example I give in a room full of married people or men in general? Okay. I talk about when my wife would ask me a simple question like, Hey, honey, what do you want to do with the kids this weekend? But my shame filter and my anger would cause me to hear it this way. Hey, honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father here recently. So what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? And then I'd feel the trigger response. I'd feel my chest elevate. I'd feel my the heat wave over and my heart start racing. And then I'd rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father. That wasn't even what she was asking. Right Now, if that can happen with your spouse, what messages are you not hearing from your teams? Right? What are they hearing from you when you're communicating based on whatever level of protection they're existing in within their current life? And how much waste exists in just the level of communication that we have because so often people aren't actually hearing what you're communicating. And then we teach the concept of communication. Only 7% of what we intend to communicate and what we receive is in the words that we use. 38% in the delivery, the tone, and the cadence. 55% is in the non-verbals. So if we're only sending emails or text messages, both to clients or our internal associates, we're giving them less than 10% of what we intend to communicate. If we jump on teleconference or we're having phone calls, we, we yeah, we've improved it, but we're still giving people less than 50% of the communication that we're capable of communicating with, which is part of yeah. the reason we teach the power of video, because in this virtual world and so many remote teams, unless you can create human connection and transfer energy through a screen, you're done. Yep. Because that is what the world is starving for is authentic connection. And we can facilitate it over a screen, but it requires the same things. And it requires you not to hide behind a screen, but rather recognize that communicating openly where I can see your face means we're giving ourselves as much as 100% of what's capable in understanding and facilitating our conversation so we can really evaluate what's true and what's not. Yeah, I love that. You know, it, it's, it's interesting that you say using video as a way to communicate and really create connection. I have a couple of VAs in my business and, you know, they span a few of the businesses and one of them is like a tremendous worker, you know, and just doesn't need that connection. Mm -hmm. The other one tremendously misses our, our once a week call, like actually ask for it. Yeah. And it's not my, it's not personally my favorite thing to do. However, for the 15 to 20 minutes a week that it takes and the last two weeks due to travel, we just didn't have it because I didn't know where I might be and the reliability yep. of connection. So I just said, well, here's the work we'll do and then we'll check in on the 13th. I can tell, I can feel it yeah. that he was so glad we were back together for that 20 minutes of time, you know? And, and, and so I think as a leader, we need to tap into that. You know, the visual cues uh, thing uh, came up in my retail business just yesterday. Um, you know, we're in the midst of some product change, which means some logistical stocking change. Yep. And I largely keep my nose out of that. Like I, I let the, I let the team like they're in there every day. It's their initiative. 
yep. and applaud initiative. If we make a mistake, I just want to know what was your thought process? The question I didn't ask is how did what I should have asked first was, how does this change help you? In other words, have you really thought through the whole thing? Instead, I kind of put my belief over it. And then I had to backtrack and say, well, look, it's your thing. I don't have my nose in that all that much, but I could immediately tell it was like that chest is up, you know, Mm -hmm. that protection comes up, you know, and I quick, I realized it, but I quick had to backpedal and I just should have said, well, ultimately, do you feel this is going to help you in your day? And that answer would have been, well, yeah, because of this example, this example, perfect. No problem. It's got my blessing. It doesn't even really need my blessing. Happy you're coming to me anyway. Right. And, uh, it's 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 funny how as leaders we need to be real dialed dialed into all this stuff. Well, and the thing is, is based on what we just outlined with the human experience, I mean, what you just even talked about, the second anyone protects themselves, they actually disconnect themselves from who they are and what they want and the two things they want most, which is to be seen, understood, and connected, right? That's why I gave yeah. that analogy and have people hold that up because to your point, when you see that lockup, you see that restriction, you know, as a leader, by the way, that's a cue that something triggered them. And by the way, that doesn't even mean that it's good or bad or right or wrong. They may not have even heard you correctly. So right. it's a point for you to pause and just understand clarification, right? But again, you have to have a strong spine and a soft front to be able to reclaim and say, hey, I, I just noticed in your body language, maybe that I said something that, that upset you or triggered you and I'm not following exactly what that was. Could you please communicate with me around what you just felt in that moment so I can better understand how you received me in that moment? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even that create clarity starts to just give you the ownership back. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm going to go. Uh, we have tape on this. Literally, we can rewind the tape on this moment because in the showroom where we were, there's video camera in that area. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to pull that up and see because probably it was my body language. Because I don't think it I, been. I, I don't feel I necessarily said anything that would have warranted that response, but I noticed it. But you're, it might have been that body language, might have been that visual cue. I mean, interestingly, I'm going to go look back. But I mean, that's one of the things that we'll do as a part. I mean, one of our pillars, and that's one of the things we help people understand is how to reclaim conversations, right? It requires you to be present in moments and be able to read not only yourself, but others, right? But it's a twofold street, right? If same example on the flip side, if my wife or somebody says something to me that, that I feel triggered, what do I have the ability to do? Right in that moment, I can pause and say, hey, I just felt triggered by what you just said, which tells me that I maybe didn't hear you correctly. Do you mind repeating yourself? And I'll try to listen through a more neutral lens. And if I'm not capable in doing so, maybe we can pause this conversation and revisit it later so that we don't create any damage or confusion in what we're trying to talk about. Right? Like even the ability to reclaim that from a position of ownership neutralizes and diffuses any of the negativity that's surrounding the situation. It's not pointing blame. It's not saying you said this to upset me. I'm saying I got triggered based on what you just said, which tells me. I probably didn't hear you correctly. What is that also doing? Owning the fact that most of the time I'm reacting, it doesn't have anything to do with what's right in front of me. It just right. doesn't, right? And so right. often just pausing for a moment of clarity is also all that's needed. Um, but you know what we know is that when a work organization is a place of trust and openness, it's psychologically and emotionally safe, right? Yeah. They've yeah. done studies around this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you've talked a lot about pillars and I know you're somebody who's a believer in the value and the benefit of systematic process. And, you know, so you've got something actually for folks coming up. You've got your um, Ways to Wealth event. 
coming up the end of this month, beginning February 26, runs 10 days through March 6th. And, and so talk a little bit about that. I want to give you time because yep. hey, it's cool that people learn and, and on the, in the vein of personal development podcasts become part of what they do. Uh, but it's great. Like, you know, you, you shared about it on your keynote, that company spent what I would imagine hundreds of thousands of dollars on development for their leadership, but you didn't give just the rah, rah. You, you didn't just deliver the topical that failed or maybe didn't enhance as much as the company might've hoped. You gave this transformative power that turned into something. And so, yeah, don't just take this show and move on. I want Brian to share what he's got going on with his ways to wealth challenge. Yeah. So thank you very much, Jeff, for that. It's So what we have done, we, about a year and a half ago, we ended up developing and building an app and we ran a challenge that was called the Take Out Your Trash Challenge. What I struggled with is that it was only focused on the personal component, when in reality, our pillars apply to organizations, businesses, and individuals. And so what we did was we changed the structure. It's now a 10-day challenge. And there's lessons that span anywhere between 5 to 15 minutes per day as well as some prompts that help you understand some of the processes we teach in the pillars, like scanning the can daily and being able to actually put ourselves into a place where we can understand and recognize trigger mapping. But we also cover a lot of things that many service-based entrepreneurs struggle with around digital marketing and really getting the amplification and reach that their messages ultimately deserve and that they want and desire for predictable and consistent income within their business. And so... I know that you've got a chat uh, or a, a link in here. This is a, a preview of the page just to give you a, an insight. We start in 12 days. It'll be a very easy to consume. You can do it whenever it lines for you and your day. It's not one of those challenges that you have to be at the exact time every single day. But we're going to teach you a lot about the five pillars and how they apply to you, your business, and where and how ultimately the trash from your past is keeping you stuck. But then we teach you how to transform it because I believe that all of our trash also has associated treasure and we can transform that waste into wealth, we can start to connect and convert at a higher level. It's a $15 investment because I believe in having skin in the game. But I promise you that the, uh, the <laughs> this is a master's class uh, in helping you yep. be able to move in your life and your business. And the return on this investment will pay dividends for you regardless of what you do beyond it in our world. It will pay dividends for you throughout the course of the rest of your life. Yeah, I love and it. And you get to bring a uh, ticket for a free friend. I just saw you highlight that. Yeah. When you register, you get to bring wonderful. a friend with you as well. Wonderful. I love that you're doing that. I mean, that's, you know, folks don't, that's not a tactic. What Brian just shared about, you know, 15 bucks investment, you get to bring a friend for free. That's purpose, mission, congruent. Brian shared earlier in the show, help a billion people. That's a big number. A billion is a big number. You know, it's mm -hmm. one out of eight people on this entire earth. You know, it's, it's, it's the entirety of the population of India. It's three times the population of the United States of America. But little actions like that are mission and purpose correct. And this is why I was so happy. I put on my personal socials, like everyone needs to have Brian Bogart in their life. So I, just, you, I wanted to. Sorry to step on. Sorry to step on you talking about the challenge. You didn't step on. You didn't step on myself. anything, brother. I fully received yeah. what you just said, and I'm I'm grateful that you said it the way that you did. I yeah. I'm happy that you said that and that you clarified and communicated that to your tribe because that's the truth, man. I mean, yeah, we're just trying to move as many people as we can. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, and so for the manly men that, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of phrases that you might, uh, roll your eyes at or society, right? The framing society has told you to roll, roll your eyes at feelings, uh, trigger, uh, inner work development, you know, there's nothing sexier to a woman, your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, than you not being that example where Brian shared, I just threw 10 things back at her to prove that I'm this person. Yep. Right. Like, I don't want to get, I'm not going to pry or get into your personal life, but I'm guessing your marriage has amplified. Oh, bro, you can pry and get in into our personal life as much years. as you want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to hear our story, go to flippingthelid.com. It's our, it's our podcast. The first episode is us unpacking our story. And, and I will go. tell you, like, here's the thing. I will tell each and every one of you definitively, and I'm proud to say this the way that I do. My wife and I have been together for 17 years. We unconsciously hid from each other for 14. And she's only felt emotionally safe with me for 24 to 36 months. It's also mm-hmm. not a coincidence that we have the best relationship, the deepest amount of intimacy, the best business. We've reversed generational patterns in our home. We have more trust and we do not get triggered by each other in 90% of the situations that used to drive both of us crazy. It has completely transformed our life, our relationship, our business. And I was given one of the greatest gifts about a year ago when I learned and realized that my kids don't even remember having an angry dad. Oh, that's tremendous. So it's possible. That's something I've worked on myself. And wherever you think you're stuck in your life or in your business... What I can tell you is there is a pathway out and there is a way to condense and compress decades into days to begin your journey. And so anything we can do to add value to help you on that path to shine the light and show you why it's not so scary to step into your trash, right? It's also the only thing that will set you free because the truth is the only thing that will set you free. And it just so happens that your truth happens to be buried underneath all that trash. Man, I love it. I love it. So great. I mean, it's like, it's like we know what we're doing around here. Top of the hour. <laughs> Look, if, if you, if you want to set a course, I guess the, the, the manly way to wrap up our time, if you want to set a course to getting laid more often, more intimacy with your spouse, but in all seriousness, just be a better human being, right? And heal yeah. yourself. Brian's got his 10 day challenge, waste to wealth coming up starts February 26th. We've shown the link on the screen. Uh, we'll have the link in the comments with the show. And in the show notes. Uh, so you'll be able to immediately connect easily wherever you pick this up, whether that's on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube, or your favorite podcast player, it'll be there. Um, if you're having a hard time with it, reach out to me. I'll easily make that connection for you to the challenge. But really, you'll, you'll focus in on these five pillars of wealth creation, get over the trash, and, and you know, kind of have some answers in your life for, for who you are, the way you are, and whether you love everything about yourself, that's great. You get to amplify that. But if there's things you want to improve on, there's things you know you need to repair. There's trash you need to take out. Seems like a great challenge. Brown, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to go love after it. this and, uh, and go do it myself and, um, and, and be there with, with my people. So I'd invite Thank all you, of my brother. people to be a part of it. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So other than the challenge, anything else coming up that people need to know about, hear about? We've had all your social channels uh, in the show, so people can connect with you that way. Yep. Uh, the only thing I would say is, uh, look, we've got a, a community. It's a rapid-fire coaching community. We uh, allow 30 days free for anyone. 
And so if you have an interest in that, there's three times a month we meet on Zoom and we literally are unpacking and doing hot seats almost every single call. People have started new businesses, amplified their businesses, repaired relationships just from a community. And this is one of the areas that we created to have zero or low barrier of entry for people to get access to the help they need. It is, uh, it's free for 30 days and then it's $88 a month beyond that. The value stacked in this thing is exponential. Uh, and so if you have an interest in coming there, great. We also run retreats and do a whole variety of other things. So if there's anything we can do to add value into your world, just reach out, let us know. Our goal is just to help get clarity on the way we can help you move. Uh, not to get you dependent on us, but to elevate and empower you to get dependent on yourself. The only person that matters. Love it. Love it. Brian, man, it's been an honor to have you here on the show. I was so happy when you accepted the invite. Thank you for pouring into my people as you have. I just, uh, so honored to know you. So thanks for being here on the show with me. Feelings mutual, brother. Thanks for building the platform for me to come pour good into the world. I love your heart, bro. Yeah. And this is just the beginning for us. Love it. Love it. Happy to do life with you, my friend. Folks, man, I, I really hope you can take this episode in, hit it, put it on rewind, replay, uh, reverse, you know, reverse the tape to something you loved, hear it again here three times over. Brian, thank you again for joining me. Everybody else, we'll see you next week right here on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat, in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today, where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors, that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.